Welcome to The Daily Grind. My name is Kelly Johnson, your friend and friendly host. We are in episode 19 of season five, the very best one yet. What is up, The Daily Grinders? My name is Kelly, your host as always. We have a new segment, a new feature that we're doing on social, and we want you to be a part of it. The Daily Grind, that's the name of our podcast. What does The Daily Grind mean to you? Our simple phrase, following a certain routine every morning to start your day or on a larger scale that shapes the outlook on your life. Submit yours on our direct link form, direct.me slash dailygrindpod. Or visit us on social at dailygrindpod and get featured. short because we have a special guest on today's podcast I'd like to introduce you to david thorpe dave is a partner and analyst for true hoop an nba newsletter and podcast producer that is subscribed by all 30 nba teams and nearly every media company and agency that works with the nba he has also been featured speaker at executive conferences at large corporations about employee development and motivational strategies so welcome to the show david Hello, how are you? Yes, David, we are excited to have you on today's episode. Our listeners are beyond excited to learn more about your story and what you do. We're going to throw in some sports puns here and there, so I'm going to pass the ball to you. If you can briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your daily grind. Oh, sure. So you said uh, you said some of the things that I do. Um, <laughs> I'm a coach, uh, mostly. So uh, my daily grind is, well, let me start with this. I've been married now. 33 years and uh, with my wife uh, 36 we have twins that are in college they're seniors in college one one's actually graduated and getting his master's degree he plays basketball at Florida State my daughter is a senior at, at the Rosen College in Central Florida in hospitality and so my daily grind begins with the fact that I'm a husband and father uh, and my mom's still alive so I'm a son as well and a brother I never want to forget that uh, but my career is basically sports uh basketball focus so i am a partner at true hoop a newsletter we've had now since uh 2019 i spent two podcasts a week called true hoop and then i publish normally an article a week with really kind of uh specific stuff going on i don't do fluffy feature stories although some of the stories i have are sweet and fun but they're basically what's going on in the basketball court or in some cases what's going on in players minds and coaches minds but I also am a, a coach. I, I work with NBA players. I have since uh, I, I started coaching in the late 80s as a high school coach. I started working with professionals uh, in 99. My first NBA player was started in 2003. So I've been really helping develop NBA players and players all over the world uh, for a long, long time now. So I, I help them play better basketball. I try to help them find balance in their life. Uh, so that they play better basketball, build value, so they can make more money. And uh, and then I have another business where we help players in high school 
find college scholarships, play better so that they can get those scholarships, and then we help those coaches in college find the players uh, that would help them win more games so they can be more successful as college coaches. So it's a pretty basketball-focused world. That's why I have a, I used to have a dog named Spalding when that was the official ball of the NBA. He passed a couple years ago. There's a new official ball called Wilson, so of course we had to get a dog and his name is Wilson. <laughs> I love, I love how both on and off court you're able to integrate uh, different things, motivate people on your daily grind literally uh, in all aspects of, of their career uh, in, on their basketball journey, which is great. Um, we're going to get into your coaching um, background and experience uh, later on in this episode, but again, excited to have you on the show and share your wealth of knowledge in, in this industry or this sport and as a whole. Um, talking about your, we'll start with, I guess, maybe your your work with uh, True Hoop, um, your role as a partner and an analyst. Um, what is the day-to-day involved you? know uh, writing articles you know uh, you know researching these trends etc just staying up to date in this area yeah yeah so luckily uh, I mean I, I don't know if it's all luck I kind of built the, the business where all my work is is synergistic <laughs> so I have to watch my NBA guys play I watch them live I have four TVs in my office uh, which is next to my house so I'm always digesting their games and watching with a critical eye uh, I also have access to a website called Synergy Sports, where it breaks down the games in very, very specific eight, nine, 10 second clips. So I can watch every rebound, every assist and far more nuanced uh, uh, clips than that. Uh, not just my players, but the people they play against. And so that's normally how I start each of my mornings. I have to, I am drinking a lot of a turmeric ginger tea. I don't eat breakfast in the morning anymore. I've kind of changed that up a little bit. As I near 60, I'm trying to stay alive and be healthy. So I, I'm drinking my tea. I'm watching clips of these games and these players. And as I'm consuming that content, whether it's nighttime watching the games live or in the morning digesting the clips, um, I'm coming up with story ideas. I have uh, two editors. I check with them. We have Monday morning editorial meetings, 8 o'clock every Monday morning, where we, where our, my podcast producer, Gerard Hector, and then the two editors and myself, we go through what's happening in the NBA, what I'm seeing and then we come up with, a, with an idea, normally that Monday morning that I'll start fleshing out. Uh, we, we're using a technology called Otter. I don't know if you're familiar with Otter. Uh, uh, it's pretty cool. In fact, Kelly, you should look into it sure. because it, it's the best out there at translating voice to text. So we'll, take, we'll use Otter. It's, a, it's not that easy. My editors do it. I don't. Where we record our entire edi- editorial meetings and then... Sometimes I can talk right into my phone, which is an, I have an Otter app in there, or I'll have a conversation with my editors, and we also take that to Otter. Everything we talk about is translated to text, and then we edit that text, and sometimes we come up with, that's our story, that's, a, that's our article. Uh, other times, I'll just, like old-fashioned, I'll sit and write. And normally, our article is about 3,000 words. So I, I developed that for a couple of days as well. Uh, that's what I do for True Hoop. I'm always trying to stay on top of what's going on in the game, as you said, finding trends, what's new, what isn't working, what is working, what do I think might happen, one of my jobs is to kind of see the future. It's super hard to do. I've had some success at it over the years. I've been doing, I've been in the, in the NBA media since 2007, pretty much straight since 2007, so 16 years, uh, breaking the game down, trying to predict what's going to happen, and when it doesn't happen, try to explain why, whether it's individual players, coaches, teams that are having success, or I think they'll start struggling. I have to write about all of that. As an example, 
In 2019, I wrote an article about Nikola Jokic uh, and said if he loses weight, he could be an MVP-level player. Well, he did. I don't think it was because of my article, um, although it'd be great if it was. And then he won two straight MVPs, and then this past June won the world championship and was the MVP of the NBA Finals. So my job is to see that kind of future if I can. And so because I have to watch these games for my NBA clients anyway, it's perfect for what I do with True Sure, yeah, really well said, David. Uh, you teed me up for my next question and transition to because uh, – time of this recording we're literally just after the NBA finals here uh they had their uh parade celebration uh, a day or two ago uh yes talking about predictions I know we are super far early um or you know a couple months out but uh do you have anything to share with our listeners today in terms of the upcoming you know 23-24 NBA season now that the current season or or maybe some teasers or something uh our listeners should look out for well there's a lot that has to happen between now and the, and the opening tip in, in October, but I'll say this. This year, we published an article before the season and said the NBA is more like the NFL now than ever in terms of parity. The NFL always prides itself on having so many different teams that can be successful uh, by year's end. The NBA is not normally that story. Well, here we go. Denver's never won a championship before. They're champions. We were right. It was the most parity-filled season in decades. I don't think that's going to change. I, right now, my crystal ball suggests there's going to be lots of teams competing as, and can fairly believe as fans that our team can win the whole thing. Uh, there's a new player drafted by San Antonio, Victor Weminyama, seven foot four, plays like a guard, super crazy talented, one of the best prospects of all time, like even better than LeBron as a prospect. Doesn't mean he'll be better as a player, but we've never seen a player like Victor before. He's going to San Antonio. They're not very good now, but they're going to be better fast. There's going to be some new teams, Oklahoma City's a team that we think can start contending soon. There's, there's, it's just going to be, I think, every night out, uh, surprising wins, surprising losers. And that's going to, I think it's going to create the recipe for a very exciting season next year, this coming season. And then, of course, you know, 15 different teams can win the finals. <laughs> I think that's great. Some people like the dynasties. I don't. Denver's great. Jokic is back and all that, but there's a lot of other teams that could win it as well. Yeah, really well said, David. Again, we're excited for the upcoming season, uh, the energy, and like you mentioned, the storytelling here, uh, what the league does. And I think over the each and every season, we've been able to see, or just a, from a fan perspective, uh, different um, you know uh, underdog stories or dark horse or whatever you want to name. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the it's the same comparable similarities between a March Madness esque that tournament's a whole nother level for a college right. demographic, but from the NBA side, professional standpoint, um, as a fan, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I love to travel and. Uh, visit teams or um to port i'm originally from milwaukee so bucks ship a few seasons back was a highlight yep, yep. so love to see the new teams uh versus the ones that carry over like a golden state or something uh yes talking about uh troop being you know subscribed by all 30 nba teams you know your experience in, in media as a whole you know been being in this industry uh, 16 years and it continues to go on, uh, you coaching your first athlete at uh, 2003. Uh, how does your, um, your your content appeal to such like a wide range of audiences and really satisfy different interests? It's a great question. So there's a couple of things. One is we, we, we need to be really smart and we need to tell the truth. That's why it's called True Hoop. When I first was hired at ESPN, it was it was the under, under the guise of I'm supposed to be really smart because I was a coach. I just... I happen to be a good enough writer. I wouldn't say I'm a good writer. I did write a book called Basketball is Jazz, 
but nobody was it's not gonna win any awards uh, my mom was a great english teacher i took i've been writing my whole life um i write on facebook at least once a day it's it's in my blood i have to write so um uh, I w i'll be smart about what i write about uh i'm not going to write about things that most of the people would see necessarily i have a unique expertise in this business but our founder at true hoop our editor my lead editor henry abbott has always taught that we need to delight our readers delight our readers he, his mom is a is an nba fan mildly she's in her 70s and so she's kind of my muse i've never met her but if if she'll like my story i've done a good job so i need to make sure the average fan will, will appreciate the article not just all the executives and coaches and agents and media people that are consuming our content we have many thousands of subscribers now and very few of them are in the business compared to the average person reading it. So I know the people in the business get a, get, get a, lot, a lot out of it because they tell me, but it's, it's nice when the average fan, and our, our subscribers, Kelly, are not average. They're serious fans. They, they're really into the game and they like the way we tell our stories as well as doing our podcast. We try to give them insight they wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, really well said. Um, I really enjoyed too. You have the different media outlets or ways for a serious, you know, core fan to consume uh, consume your content it, it is incredible. And we'll put obviously in the show notes today where to find uh, True Hoop and uh, you know subscribe and be involved and uh, be uh, you know have the latest and greatest uh, insights uh, by you and your team uh, provide to them uh, regularly. Talking about insights here, how do you stay up to date with like the latest developments and insights in the NBA industry? Are there any particular sources or strategies that you try? to help maintain that uh, expertise? Well, I do read a lot, <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I, I'm lucky enough, to, and I've been in this business long enough where I, I've served as a mentor to a lot of our best sports writers covering the NBA. Uh, uh, mentoring just in terms of knowing the game better. Not They're all better writers than me, I'm sure. Uh, without question, many of them are far better than me. But they don't know the game like I do. And so because I can help them understand the game better, uh, I know them, and so I don't miss the articles that they write. But I'm also on the phone a lot. Uh, I have I go through two Bluetooth headsets a day, pretty much. By day start, normally I'm in the office by 7, where I am now. And uh, by 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, maybe 3 o'clock, one of my headsets is dead. I charge it. I go to my next one, meaning I'm on the phone all the time. I, don't, I can't just have the phone in my ear. It hurts my elbow too much. So I use... Plantronics, Voyager headsets, I go through a lot. They burn out pretty fast. That's the only way to really stay in touch. I talk to my players most days. I so in some cases, I talk to their coaches. I always have to talk to their agents. One of them has a dad that I really, I don't normally talk to dads, but he's a basketball guy, so I can talk to him. And, um, and then I'm talking to the decision makers, the, the people involved in the sport, often. And, uh, and I mix in some calls to my, my kids in two different cities and my mom and my brothers, you know, I have some friends too. But most of the time during the day, I'm talking to people in my business. And uh, there's no, I mean, I do texting a lot and WhatsApp and everything, but you got to talk to people. And, uh, and so that's something that I do every day. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, exactly. What we're doing on the podcast here. And then, um, yeah, uh, I think the relationships are key to sustain and maintain those. Uh, and again, sharing your wealth of knowledge on today, not just today's show, but uh, in your circle, your community, and literally across the whole entire league here. Speaking of coaching, again, perfect transition. We're, we're, we're literally hitting the spots. Uh, you've coached, again, 
how many elite pros they've won championships in the NBA around the world. What are some of the common characteristics or qualities you observe in these these players and um, you know the importance of their mindset and mental preparation? Yeah, let's t- let's talk on the coaching stuff here. Yeah. 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 Um, I had a player say to me. So I had a I have a I have a player that I helped this year had for years now that won a championship with the Nuggets. He was on the team, so he was very excited. It was great to watch him in the parade. Um, I had a player, a young player, say to me the other day, he was a rookie last season, and he, he had a very good rookie season for rookies, which means first year. But compared to the average NBA player, it wasn't very good because rookies tend to struggle. And he said to me on the phone the other day, he said, Coach, I can't wait to get back to our daily routine, meaning our daily grind. Um, he didn't always love it as a rookie because it's, 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 a, it's hard. So I always tell players, life is a roller coaster. You don't even understand it yet because most of you aren't married with kids uh, and dealing with sick parents, sick children, a spouse that's going through an issue. As we age, and you know this because you and I are not 20, uh, uh, the world gets more complex. We start caring about more things. Bad things happen. I lost my dad 18 months ago. My mom is fine. My mother-in-law is fine. But they're battling things. They're in their 80s. Uh, Our kids go through ups and downs. Our brothers, sisters, whatever. Life is a roller coaster. We need to make our career a merry-go-round, and we need to find joy in the merry-go-round. I know it just goes round and round, but we've got to find love in that. We've got to embrace the merry-go-round. And so when my player said to me, I can't wait to get back to that routine, I literally said, that's the merry-go-round I told you about all last year that you didn't like. But but you learn to like it. And I've had so many players in the offseason, sometimes I have players from overseas come here for like three weeks at a time. Far, from far over in Europe and Asia, I've had many Africans. And I remember one young man early in his career, he's a very good player. He said to me, I said, are you looking forward to leaving and going back home? He's from Israel. And he said, coach, I love it here. That you have Clearwater Beach, all these beautiful things. I love the gym, but I miss my routine at home. And that's how most of these guys feel. They, they are, they, I talked to my son this morning, he plays college basketball. At seven o'clock in the morning, I texted him. I know he was out on a date with some friends and a girlfriend last night watching a late movie. They saw a, a new Spider-Man movie. And uh, 7 a.m., he's texting me. I said, Max, what are you doing awake? He's like, I'm getting up to go work out. Uh, it's an off day, but they're still working out. That's the daily grind. That's the daily routine. You have to find joy in that. And, uh, when, and all players, almost all players, feel that way. It's not about killing yourself every day. But it's about going through that process and having that will to do it. And uh, I certainly have it. I can't wait. I've often said uh, I, may, I may go to bed at midnight, 1 in the morning. I can't wait to wake up at 6, 5.30. I need about five hours sleep both sides. Uh, maybe one day I won't love what I do, but I do now. And I have for many years. So uh, it's not hard for me to get back on that routine because I, I love to get on that merry-go-round every day. And that's how most players are. Yeah, I like the visual of the the comparison between a roller coaster and the merry ground. Uh, really spot on. And you know, every day is different for us. Everyone has their own daily grind. David and I are are different. His players are like, and we respect the grind. And uh, it motivates us each and every day to you know reach towards our short or long term goals. Uh, we're really goal driven on this podcast. So really great to. It's a really strong visual. I, I really appreciate that in terms of, you know, uh, that mental uh, mindset pr- preparation to help achieve greatness in the long run here. Uh, you know, channeling your, uh, you know, basketball analytic background and also that coaching uh, mindset you have as well. Um, what are some key metrics or factors you consider when evaluating players or teams like 
you know, determining if they are, uh, have that potential or, you know, in the long run, their, their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, yeah, let's run through some stats or like, how do you, uh, you review aspects of the game? Like what, what deserve the most attention when, um, like evaluating players? Yeah. I, this is something I've talked to when I've given speeches to CEOs and everything, and that's player development and also player projection, talent projection, talent evaluation, same idea. Uh, in the NBA, we were very lucky to have the most advanced metrics possible, and we're adding more all the time as super brilliant math people who love basketball and love numbers are getting involved. So I look at all the most advanced uh, metrics, which are high-level algorithms uh, that are tying in shooting, rebounding, assisting, defending, everything. I look at all of it. Your average fan wouldn't understand. I don't even understand how these algorithms are made necessarily. I know what the result spits out, but here's the trick. The trick is to find the players, as an example, who are producing at a high level, so they're productive and they're efficient, and yet there's something about their game that can still get much better. For example, the, the current best player in the world, Nikola Jokic, was very heavy, and yet he was producing high-level productivity and efficiency. And so that's why I pondered a much leaner version. This is an athletic event. Fat isn't good lean is better so it's not the case for everything but it's the case for this so i that's why i projected he could be an mvp player level player if he lost weight there might be a player that i feel like is just making some bad decisions but a lot of the other talents are there and so as he gains experience if he learns the game which he should he'll get much better there are players who are productive but don't shoot well but i think they have a chance to be better shooters not everyone does and so that will help so i always try to find flaws in players that otherwise look like they'd be good. And then if you start tweaking up those flaws and improving them, they'll be much better. So uh, in, in the working world, if there was someone that just was shy, but had all the other benchmarks you looked for in an employee, you can work on shyness. You, I mean, it's definitely a, 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 a DNA thing, but you can nurture that. You can get them ex experience in speaking in public or just express themselves more and they'll have more productivity uh, they'll get more comfortable. I'm working with a player right now who's brilliant, terrific talent. He's very quiet, and yet he's super smart. So we are engaged all the time with learning how to use your voice. Like, I know how to use my voice. You can hear. I don't, need, I don't need a microphone on the court. I'm loud, as my wife loves to tell me. And so I need him to be loud because he says he has a lot of good things to say. He just can't be heard. And so one thing we did with him, I talked to his agent. I had his agent talk to the team he plays for. This summer, he'll do a national TV interview after one of his summer league games to work on projecting and, and just being in the public eye more. It'll help him, I think, as a leader doing that. So that's so I look at all these big advanced metrics and then kind of figure out where are they struggling and how can we fix it to make them better overall? Yeah, I really like um, how you tied it into us uh, again a good amount of our listeners are in the business world, non non pro athletes out there or uh, on the, on the court for their daily grind uh, to help us level up our own re game respectively. Uh, talking about the different you know qual uh, qualities or skills that separate you know good players from the great, um, is there synergies between players that you've seen? Um, how important is like that mental aspect uh, in, in addition to the physical component, their strength, um, what they can you know perform on on the court here at at the professional level. 
Yeah, so the more obvious ones are the physical. It's we have a tall man's lead. The average size mm -hmm. probably six seven, six eight, maybe six six. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so that helps. Being athletic helps, but Jokic is not athletic in terms of running, jumping. Steph Curry, a, a legendary player, isn't the best jumper, fastest guy, super skilled. Uh, one of the things most of the one of the talents most of these players have that the average fan doesn't realize. We write about this at True Hoop, is they're just supercomputers at processing. So uh, if you've seen on Instagram, you'll see, or, or I, don't, I don't get TikTok, but I'm sure it's on TikTok, you'll see a snake versus a cat, like a house cat that, that is in the garden and sees a little snake. And the cat is curious. The snake is worried, unless it wants to eat the cat, which is, that's a big snake. And so the snake is, is trying to bite it. And the cat is looking at it and batting it with its paws. And the cat always wins. The snake never gets a bite because the cat's processing so much faster. Uh, I, I, my wife and I will be walking across a, a busy street in New York City if we're visiting because we live in Florida. And she's very nervous and worried about the stoplights or whatever. I, I just can process that stuff really fast. Uh, there's other things I do terrible at and she's great at. That's something my brain can do faster. I was a player. I, I understand why now I could read the game pretty well. I can process it pretty quickly. These players are geniuses. Many of them, I've, I've said this many times, many of them, they grew up in a household like mine. They might have been physicists or scientists. Super fast thinking, curious, able to ingest lots of information very, very quickly, extrapolated quickly. They just happen to be in really tall athletic bodies at the same time. But one of the biggest things is a work ethic, of course, willing to push their bodies to the nth degree, do it over and over and over again. Uh, uh, but that, that brain makes a big, big difference when it can process as fast as most of these guys can process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really great. Uh, again, visual for us in, in terms of um, what are the key skills that are needed uh, for these uh, players to perform and achieve success at the professional level. Really well spoken, David. Uh, you know, looking ahead, I know we talked on a little bit on the, the trends, changes you anticipate in the NBA la landscape. Uh, we talked on emerging players. How about maybe on the more on the team side, uh, do you see anticipate um, changes, you know, in in the landscape here? Or I know we've seen recently over this past season. I feel like there's a a significant amount of turnover in, in coaching staff. If that plays a, a direct effect or impact on individual teams, I'd love to hear your thoughts in in this area or yeah. in the coming years. There, there's <laughs> been some data on this. Uh, there's some studies on this with data that show that in most cases, the co changing of coaches doesn't matter. Most of these coaches are about the same. Uh, most of them are about average. The few three, four, five super elite have a huge advantage. The three, four, five that are just terrible and shouldn't have been hired, that's a big disadvantage. But most of the time, these changes happen. It's the same in every sport, not just basketball. Nothing really changes. Uh, the one, you know, because we're, you and I are taping this before we have free agency and the draft, uh, the one thing I can say, though, is our game is getting more tactical. Uh, the NBA is, is the best league in the world. We have the best players, the most athletic, the most skilled. Because of that, we don't always rely on high-level tactics, strategic tactics to, to play. Whereas in Europe, where they have players that are, they tend to be a little less athletic, a little less skilled in some cases, in many cases even, uh, uh, in terms of one-on-one -on -one play, they rely on tactics, tactics to score. We have a movement in the league about getting more guys that play tactically or coach tactically to then combine that with our better athletes and better skill. 
uh, and more size. We're the tallest league in the world for sure. Uh, and, and that's creating a better product, I think, which is interesting. Um, you have to, again, it goes also to the faster thinkers have an advantage as well because this game's all about, I always say college and high school players play the game, pros read the game. So as we get more and more players that, have, that can read fast, process fast, uh, our game can get more tactical and still stay very fluid and fun to watch. Yeah, really well said. Again, providing insights on here. Uh, we're excited for the upcoming season, but also giving us a baseline where we're at and uh, what to expect uh, You know, later this year. In terms of uh, True Hoop, again, you mentioned you produce, uh, produce uh, various content um, to service our, our to consumers or satisfy our consumers out there on the fan base side, uh, newsletter, podcast, etc. How do you approach the different mediums in terms of like content encouraging, engaging with the audience? Do you tailor to specific ones? Provide, um, I know you serve a lot of the serious core fans, but in terms of you're curating that content, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a couple of foundational things. Uh, we again, we want to be truth tellers, we're not, we, we'd rather tell the truth and burn, uh, you know, and, and, and have a guy be mad at us than not tell the truth. That's not common anymore in media. Um, obviously, there's there's a, there's a news company that just wants to service their listeners and viewers and not tell them the truth. Uh, but there's also lots of sports writers who don't want to bash a famous popular player coach. That's not how we do it. We tell the truth. Um, with, But we're not looking to be evil, mean-spirited. That's for sure. Um, but we also try to be entertaining. Um, our podcast can be more light. Uh, we will get into sensitive issues. Uh, Henry Abbott is famous for tying politics and billionaires and oligarchs into the NBA. Unfortunately, you probably have seen the news recently where Saudi Arabia is now involved with professional golf. Um, we have uh, uh, dark money, private equity money involved in the NBA now. So you don't really know who are involved in the ownership. That's a concern for us. So we do tackle some extremely sensitive issues. There's connections to Putin in the NBA that we've covered. That's kind of scary. Uh, but we also try to be light and fun and have fun with it. Uh, we're not solving the world's problems. We're covering just a basketball league. And I'm always mindful of that. Uh, but the biggest thing is to not just pair what everyone else is saying, to be original. Um, I do consume a lot of podcasts and content. And, uh, but I also try to be original with what our takes and our viewpoints. And maybe we agree with the masses and maybe we don't. Either way, we're going to try to tell the truth as we see it. Yeah, really well said. And uh, you've been podcasting since 20, 2005, if memory serves. So we started, so when I, no, I joined ESPN in 2007. We started a podcast there. Uh, a lot of it's on YouTube to this day. And then we formed our company in 2019 when we, we left ESPN and formed it. But we started a podcast actually in April of 2020 when the pandemic shut the league down. We had a podcast called Bring It In, where we felt like in a time of trouble, we need to bring it in. We did it five days a week. There was no NBA to cover. We covered the virus a lot. We covered politics and the connections to the NBA. And then later that summer, the NBA came back and we never stopped. And so now we do, we normally take Mondays and Thursdays. And most of it is focused on NBA stuff, individuals, trends, whatever. But when, when an expansion is coming in the NBA, who is going to own those teams? We will be looking into that. Uh, we, when we have some owners that we think are nefarious, we'll address it. Uh, but, but we're not trying to burn people. We're trying to tell great stories and and delight our readers and our and our listeners so that they have a better and more insightful view into the NBA. 
Yeah. Uh, again, providing us the latest and greatest, uh, what's happening in the league and even outside the league too, giving us, uh, again, what, what our listeners, what our fans want to consume and so they can stay up to date uh, with their respective team here. Uh, big money question I have, David. Uh, we could probably talk for days on this, uh, but uh, memorable moments or stories from your career that have left a lasting impact on you, either NBA industry or uh, your role, uh, various roles, uh, media as a coach. Um, you can talk about something, maybe something that's more current, something, you know, throw back us to a certain point in time. Uh, I'll leave the floor to you. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. (laughs) Honestly, I've had the most ridiculous career. Uh, I get paid well to watch NBA players play basketball and to write about it. Um, I had a player buy me a really incredible car as a gift for what I was doing for him. Um, I charged him plenty. But he felt like I wasn't charging enough, and he wanted to buy me this car. And he left it. He left. I was actually out of town with my son at an NBA event, and he he didn't know I was out of town. He drove it in our, in our driveway, and my wife texted me. She said, "Why is there a Mercedes in our driveway?" We we drove Mercedes as it happened, but nothing as nice as this one. And so that was a funny story. I I've been in. I've been. I've had calls from players uh, crying. One in particular, uh, because he just got engaged. And he had said to coach a year before, I sat with you and said, I need help. I, I want to find a partner, but how do I do it when I'm so famous? And and when he met his 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 future wife and got engaged, he wanted me to hear it. I've been in, I've been, I've spoken to, I've spoken at players' rehearsal dinners. I, I, I've spoken at weddings. My wife and I have been the first non-family member to hold our players' babies. Um, I, I, I coach players in the 80s that are now in their 50s. I have players that I coached years ago that are grandparents. I'm not a grandparent yet, but I started coaching at 22 and some of my players were 18, 19 in high school. And so they just had kids earlier than I did. Um, there's very little that's that's more meaningful than when you see a player earn generational wealth. I'm in the business where these players can earn 100 plus million dollars in their career or more. Uh, I've seen players get drafted. I've seen video of their families reacting when their when their sons got drafted or their brothers got drafted. Um, I've watched press conferences where I've seen these young men that I knew at 21, or in one case I knew him at 19, where he's wearing a beautiful suit and he's and he's addressing the crowd because he just got a big deal. I actually gave an induction speech that at the Hall of Fame at one player's college because they were inducting him to the Hall of Fame, and he asked me introduce them to the to the, the group uh there's just so many of those but honestly and i mean this sincerely uh when when i coached my my son my daughter is a dancer and i didn't know anything about dancing other than i love to dance and so i had great joy in watching her perform she was a competitive dancer but when i coached my son's teams way back in the day uh and he would look at me and not even blink, just trying to soak everything I had in. And when he'd say yes, sir, to me as a, as a coach and not a dad, and then we'd come home and he'd just be my son again. Like, honestly, I, I would trade all the things I did in my career to have more time being a dad of, of, of children who needed me. Now, they're, now they, I still pay for everything. <laughs> that's going to end soon. They're only 22. They're seniors in college now. Um, that's been the highlight of my life for sure is, is – is I'm able to balance that work, family, relationship, 
lucky enough to have an amazing partner, my wife, Christine, and, and twins who were super close to each other, which has allowed me to, to, to be part of their world as, as, a, as a father, because they don't really need them. When they have twins, they have each other. They've allowed me to get in there a little bit. And um, they, respect for, they respect the choices I've made as an as a entrepreneur that wanted to also be a family guy. And so I passed up opportunities in my career. They know it. Turned down head coaching jobs in the NBA, high-level executive jobs in the NBA, because it didn't meet my life plan of wanting to be around them more when I could. Now I can do whatever I want. They're gone. So my wife and I have a lot of things planned. She just got back from Scotland for 10 days with her sister. We're going to take a big trip to the Dominican soon. Um, but, yeah, nothing beats having my, my son rec recognize that I'm a, I'm a knowledgeable person in basketball, but I'm just his dad. Yeah, I like it. All about the balance, all about the family relationships, um, doing something you're passionate about each and every day, but also sharing these success stories. And we love to hear it and soak up the information on today's episode, obviously, uh, leaves us with a big smile here. Uh, really well said, David. Uh, the, yeah, the, the daily grind of David Thorpe here. So in closing, we, we talked about your schedule. You have quite the grind going on, uh, David, uh, in, in, the, in the league here. What's on your daily grind? What's on your radar later this year, uh, back half of 2023? I mean, I'm lucky. I I'm going to be really busy for sure. I've, I've got more players than ever. I just started this new business where we're helping these players find scholarships. That's an exciting new thing. Um, I'd like to start getting back to finding once a week to play golf. I need, I'm going to be 59 in February. I, I don't really have another outlet other than hanging out with my wife and, you know, we swim a lot in our pool, whatever. But I miss, I miss playing golf. I gave it up when our kids were born 22 years ago. And so I've kind of taken with it here and there. I never really have a time to do it once a week. I'd like to do that. I have a, a, my best friend from seventh grade lives in the area. His kids are grown. I just was at his daughter's wedding uh, this past spring. And I want to start playing with my buddy Steve. He's super fun. I love him to death. Um, and then also, I, 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 I made a point. My wife and I started buying some albums. We bought a, a, a turntable. We connected to the speakers at our home. And um, instead of just watching TVs at night, which we, TV at night, which we did during the pandemic. We're trying to get to listening to music more and just, you know, I read The New Yorker, I read books and whatever, New York Times, and just trying to um, inform ourselves more without just watching a screen. Uh, and the last thing I'd like to do, because I grind enough, is I don't cook enough. I'm a terrible cook. My wife's an amazing cook. She loves it. I need to do more of that and, and, and spoil her a little more than I do. And so that's something I'd like to start doing. She, she won't believe me when I say it, but she knows I, I already barbecue once a week as it is. I need to add at least one more non-barbecue night to the week and let her just relax and let me dote on her a little bit instead of, instead of the opposite. Yeah, we're excited for you. Uh, best yet to come and, and the extracurriculars here. I myself not I feel very motivated to encompass that as well. Just talking about the grind as a whole. Uh, awesome. Yeah, looking forward to uh, later this year and everything. Uh, David, story very inspirational and moving on today's episode. Do you have a word of the day to motivate our listeners out there or even a quote, saying, mantra? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for asking about that. Mm -hmm. uh, a long time ago, so my favorite word is decency, my favorite word. Um, it motivates me. It's a, it's a good lesson for me to remember to not get angry. As a coach, we can get angry to be decent. And so years ago, I told my future partner now, Henry Abbott, at True Hoop, the founder, I told him um, it's really hard to be perfect. It's not hard to be decent. 
and he wrote that up and put it on his wall in his office. That meant a lot to me that he thought of enough of that. And that's, I really do stress that a lot is that idea of it's, it is hard to be perfect. Obviously, it's impossible, but it isn't hard to be decent. And so if we challenge ourselves to find decency in people, not that everyone deserves it. And if they don't deserve it, I'm fine with that. We have some really terrible people in this world. I'm sad to say. Uh, but for everyone else, and we're the majority, uh, be decent to each other. It's something I challenge myself with often. And it's not so hard to do. And everyone should be doing it more of, more of it for sure. Decency. Yes, I like that quote. I think that fits perfectly with your story, what encompasses what you're looking out to do here in the world, inspire us each and every day on our daily grind, on and off the courts. Uh, last but not least, David, if our listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you, want to soak up all this this wonderful content and get us, you know, latest and grace here, how, how can we do so? So we got a few things. So you can go to truehoop.com. Uh, you can go to Twitter. I, I'm at Coach Thorpe, C-O-A-C-H-T-H-O-R-P-E, Coach Thorpe, one word. Uh, uh, on Facebook, I'm David B. Thorpe, and if you don't, if you don't want to read some political missing, sometimes don't join Mrs. Uh, I do write about my family a lot today. As a matter of fact, I we're taping this for Father's Day. I wrote about my dad. He, you know, I miss him. So I wrote him a letter today on Facebook. Again, as a writer, we write. Writers write, so I have to write. So don't friend me on Facebook if you don't want to read about politics or read about family stuff. I do do a lot of stuff about basketball too. Um, and yeah, so True Hoop, uh, you, you can just, and, and at, at True Hoop on Twitter works as well. So at, at Coach Thorpe, at True Hoop on Twitter, and then you can find anything else. Wonderful. Yes, we'll put where to find David uh, on social, online, so you can uh, tune in uh, to Lace and Grace at, at True, True Hoop here uh, in the show notes. Uh, thanks again for tuning today's episode. A big thank you to David for being on the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to the Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Brian Pod. Please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian.